0: Today we're going to talk about common barriers to discipleship. Um, I have five things here. It is not an exhaustive list. They're just the five things I thought of. So if you want to add things when we get done with this, there's going to be some time for that. Um, before we jump in, though, I always really like to review kind of the big essential things that we're trying to come get across in this class. So first is what is discipleship? How have we been defining that throughout this class? What's discipleship? It doesn't have to be a long textbook definition. Just what is disciple making?
1: Teaching them, teach them to observe all that I've
0: commanded. Okay. So that comes out of the Great Commission. Make disciples and he says teaching them to obey all I've commanded. Anything else? Okay. How it
1: relates to life. And yeah. Grow in
0: different seasons. Yeah. So the beginning of, very beginning of summer, we said discipleship is helping each other follow Jesus. I mean, it's, it's a very broad idea. I'm, we're not trying to just narrow this down to a one hour sit down every week, even though I think that can be a part of it. We're, we're saying that discipleship is helping each other follow Jesus. That can be an encouraging conversation. That could be somebody struggling and you giving some counsel. That can be a one-on-one meeting, week, week in, week out. Discipleship is helping each other follow Jesus. The second main thing we're really trying to get across in this class is whose responsibility is it to make disciples? Everyone that believes in Jesus, right? He said that... Disciples make disciples, right? The the call to of the Great Commission was not just to the eleven that were there at the time. It's not just to elders, it's not just to deacons, it's not just to seminary professors, it's to disciples. Disciples make disciples. So we've gone through a number of things in this class, but today we're going to talk about common barriers. So let's just jump right in and again, please. Thinking about things that might not be down here that we can add to this list. The first thing that came to my mind, having been in the DC area for two years, is a lack of time. The first thing most people are probably going to say about, I can't make disciples because fill in the blank is going to be, I'm too busy. Right? How many people think that that's something that maybe you would have thought of, maybe not verbalized, but with think, I'm just so busy. Like, how am I going to squeeze this into my schedule? That's, that's a really, like, that's a thing. We have lives. We have jobs. We, some of us have families. Some of us, we're just busy. Even with church stuff, we can be busy. Right? So, this disciple-making thing, how do we figure that out? So, I guess the problem is, we're busy. What do you think the solution is? I have a number of things written down here, but what might be some solutions to the barrier of, I am way too busy, I don't have time for this discipleship thing? we got, that's a lot of hands. Cam, and then we'll come to Sean, and then Andrew, you want to be a cleanup? I
2: need a Okay. So when I say I'm busy it's because I actually don't know my schedule very well. Okay. And I have more time that I actually think I do.
0: Okay. So, so let's let's take a look at our schedules. Alright? Sean?
3: Uh, I think what I've learned over the last bit as I've gone to people to be disciple, not necessarily be doing stuff, but being creative with my time, we all have to eat we all have to, like there's no reason why not do it together. Yeah. Or figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think probably not putting a priority on what we think is really a priority. Yeah. Um, I enjoy having dinner with my family. Yeah. I don't have to have dinner with my family every night. It's not in here. Yeah. So I think I've got a little bit of leeway. So yeah. I think we just try to, yeah, yeah. be creative and
1: let go of control. Okay.
0: Okay. Andrew?
1: Yeah, just to read some great permission of what Sean said, um, when Jesus said, Go and make disciples, I think the language there is as you are going, make disciples. Yeah. So like as we're living life, as we are busy, just fill our lives with people, the you know, unreached, the reached, um, make our lives open and available and do life with people, like like Sean was saying. Yeah. As we're going.
0: Yeah. That's good. Anybody on this side of the room, any of that jog, anybody's thoughts? All right, so I had a couple of things written down, and some of those have already been said. Like, for me, moving to this area, now I have this thing called a Google Calendar on my phone. I didn't even know what that was before I moved here. I didn't have a calendar, or a schedule, but I do think that I have one of those things is... We'll, we'll prioritize things that we think are really important. I think getting that on a calendar of like, here's a block of time I could use for whatever. So I think that, Cam, that was the first thing I put down. Um, in that, I think, especially if you are in the stage of life where you have a job, I've found that lunch breaks and even pre-work time, so like getting up early or using if you have an hour lunch break to, to meet up with people is a, a doable thing. Um, but the big one that I wanted to spend time on was combining what you two said. I think it, we don't have to overthink discipleship. Like, having people just come along in the normal flow of our lives is a great time to use for discipleship. So like my wife... When she goes to the grocery store, she often brings people with her and they can talk while she's shopping. It might extend the shopping time long, but like she uses that time. Or when she's cooking, she just invites a sister to come over and they talk while she's doing things. Like just having people in the normal ebb and flow of our lives, we can use that time to disciple. If you're single, You know, it it doesn't just have to be, well, when you're parenting, just have them... If you're single, are there times where you go shopping, where you run your errands, where you work out or go to volleyball, whatever? Like, can you bring somebody along with you and talk about Jesus, talk about life, share struggles, like pray for one another? Like, it doesn't have to be we block out. I have an hour lunch break. I will use my hour lunch break. The first 15 minutes, we'll be driving to restaurant. I will have a half an hour to read and pray with said individual and then a half or 15 minutes. Like you don't have to necessarily do that. It can be. I have an hour to get this done. Would you like to come with me? I think, I think the point is we don't want to overbook our lives to the point where we have no margin, where we have no downtime, where we have no time to just spend with our families or our friends and just have fun. But we can find time, whether it's devoted to an hour-long study with somebody, or just bringing people along in our natural day-to-day schedule, where we can make time to prioritize the command to make disciples. If we see it as simply helping each other follow Jesus, I think that's that's part of what Paul's talking about in Ephesians five, where he says, "Redeem the time." Right? Make the best use of our time. I don't think that is necessarily fill every waking moment with something. But using the time that we are normally doing stuff for His glory. So, any, any thoughts on that? Pushback? Comments? I also want to add, it's okay. It's okay to be inconvenienced. That's okay. Like to have something that we have to put into our schedule that isn't always the most convenient thing. I don't like getting up early, but there's guys I have to get up really early with if it's going to work for us to get together, and that's okay. Like, Jesus is okay with my, my, my sleep schedule being disrupted a little bit if it means I can meet with a brother. So, I think maybe ask yourself, like, are, are there times where it's just because you're not willing to be inconvenienced? Second one I think is the one I hear the second most. That's why it's number two. Is a lack of confidence. What do you think I mean by lack of confidence? I'm not sure I can do the discipling thing because what? I don't. Have it together. I don't well, that's on there. That's number four. They probably can go together, but I needed five, so I separated those two. Lack of confidence. I don't know the Bible well enough. I've never discipled anyone before. I don't know how to do it. So I'm, not, I'm afraid to start, right? I think a lack of confidence is a major reason why people don't jump into discipling. I think especially that I don't know the Bible well enough is one that I've heard over. and over. Like how am I going to teach someone the Bible? I can't, I can't explain every passage or I can't answer every... What happens if I get asked a question I don't know the answer to? Anyone ever thought that before Andrew's the only one in the room that's ever thought that I, I mean i've thought that like what if i don't know how to answer what they potentially could say? What happens if they bring up a sin issue and i don 't know what to say like it 's just safer for me not to to get into a relationship like that right? What might be some solutions to that? What might you answer to the If if you're the person saying it, what might you say to yourself? But also if someone came up to you and and you were like, Hey, have you considered like meeting up with somebody or getting into a relationship where you can help each other follow Jesus? And they say, I'd love to do that, but I just don't know the Bible well enough yet, or I just don't know how to answer everything that could come up possibly. What might you say to that person? We can work through it together. You can work through it together? Okay, so like this community thing is kind of what we're trying to do, where we learn I'm, together. I meet with somebody and I say, we're going to
2: bring our machetes. <laughs> we're going to capture
0: through our life problems and through scripture yeah. together. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, this isn't a one way relationship, right? Discipleship isn't, I'm, I'm meeting with you to give you information because I know and you don't, so I'm going to bring you up to my level. Like, that's just not discipleship. It's a relationship. Cheyenne, did you have your hand up?
2: I <clears> did. <throat>
3: Yeah.
0: You raise your hand if you have the answer to every question someone's asked you. Like, if someone comes up with a theological question, you're like, I've studied that thoroughly. I have confidence that there's no theological topic. I'm not exhaustive in my knowledge. There, nobody other than Jesus that has walked the earth can answer every theological question. Same thing's true of just life situations. No, you're, you're not Jesus, and that's okay. Like... It really is okay so we're not supposed to have every answer I like what Cheyenne said though the beautiful we've been saying this over and over in this class but the beautiful thing about discipling in the context of a local church is if you don't know something you can you can go to somebody else in our our church and say hey this guy, this question came up like could you help me think through that they asked this question or this issue got brought up and I'm not sure how to answer. I don't, know. I don't know how to think through it. Can you help me? There's a lot of people in this church who have a wide variety of areas where they've studied or also just life experiences where we can draw on other brothers and sisters. Like it's a team effort. <laughs> You're not a lone ranger who's out there like, hey, I have to have all the answers for this individual because they're the one I'm discipling. No we are discipling each other as a church. So that's definitely a huge thing. I also think, especially with the issue of I don't, I don't feel like I have enough Bible knowledge, what's one of the best ways for you to learn? Read the Bible. Is to read and study, right? So what do you think you're going to do if you're meeting with somebody, and let's say you're reading through John, what might you be doing before you get together? studying John and what might you do when you study John learn about John John. right so one of the best ways for you to to learn more about the Bible is to be in relationships where you're teaching and and studying yeah and when someone asks you a question about the Bible that you don't know and you say I'm not sure what might you do after that conversation you might go try and study it or ask somebody who does know and as that happens, you're going to learn. So one of the best ways for you to learn is being in those relationships where questions come up or passage. You're studying through a book and you're like, I have no idea what that means. I I should probably study that. Or Even after you study it and you're like, I still don't know what that means. You could talk to one of our elders and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm studying through the gospel of Luke and this issue comes up in this text and I've read a little bit and I still am confused. Can you help me? So I think the issue of confidence is a huge reason why reason why people are like, I can't get started. I understand that reason. Like that one makes total sense to me. But I think I think that it's one of the best ways for us to build confidence is to be in these kind of relationships. there's been times where I've been going through a book with a brother and I'll come to a passage and be like I honestly don't know what this means and they'll be like I think it means this and I look at it and look at it I'm like Mm -hmm. that makes sense like it's a two way thing we can learn together you know thoughts on that one Sean
3: hopefully you're (laughs) the general you yeah Um, is is being discipled yeah know I keep
0: yeah. I feel like I say something like that every week. I'm not trying to that's be, okay. be
3: weird about it. But, but if that's happening, you're, it's being modeled to you. So when, when I have a question and I'm struggling, I have Donald Bill to talk to. So then when I'm talking to Ethan and he has a question, I can model for him the kindness, the humility. Cody mentioned that last week. Like, this should be a humbling thing yeah. to be discipling someone because you don't have. You're not supposed to, right? Because we're supposed to guide back to to Christ, yeah. And if that's the case, we're being modeled. This is how you. This is how you go together to the cross. Therefore, when this comes up, do it. You don't have to answer the question, yeah. because it's not going to. It's not going to take away a moment of salvation. It's not going to like. Let's just walk through it. Yeah. Take us a month. Yeah. Take us a year. You know? like yeah. The book out there. Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. We look at your calendar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that last part, like it. The time, like this, there's no microwaving discipleship. Like, this isn't a three step process where in, we're going to have all the answers in a week. Like, there's going to be issues in discipleship that might be years of working through with each other. And that's just life, you know? So, yeah, having, being discipled and then being the discipler, like, we need all those relationships, you know? You think about Timothy, the letter to Timothy. Paul's discipled him, right? He has a mature, older, godly man who's been teaching him and, and modeling for him. And then what does Paul tell him to do in chapter 2? Go what? The things you've heard from me, do what? Trust
1: faithful men. Who,
0: who will, will do teach, what? Who can teach others. Right? So there's, this, there's different relationships in re- discipleship. People investing in me, and me not just consuming. But then reproducing, right? I'm hearing, I'm learning, I'm growing. I have men who are, who are holding me accountable, who are helping me understand the Bible better so that I can then go help other people do the same. We, we need all of those relationships. Yeah, so good. Good thought. Anything else on the lack of confidence? Okay. Third one is one that I have struggled with. If I can be completely honest and vulnerable with you. There's been times where I've entered into a discipling relationship. And when I enter into a discipling relationship, I mean like I really get into a relationship. Like I love that person. Like we spend time together. And either they just completely walk away from Christ, or we we get into a topic in their lives where they do just don't want to hear what the Bible says and they just start lashing out at you. And that can make you say, well, this discipling thing doesn't sound all that great anymore. (laughs) I don't know that I want to do this anymore. You really want me to enter in another relationship where this could happen? Like in our previous church, there was a guy, he got saved and for two years, I mean, the growth was explosive. I'm talking like, this man was fighting sin like Nobody I'd ever seen fight sin before. He was devouring, reading stuff like no one I'd ever seen before. And after two years, he just disappeared. Like, no, no call. Like, hey, thanks for spending time. I just don't think this Jesus thing's for me. And like, disappeared. That that wounds right. You kind of recoil at those kind of things where people are in your home week in week out. And then to think, like, I want to jump back into it. There can be that. So I think having past hurts or even perceived failures of, like, I've tried to disciple this person, and they just aren't following Jesus anymore. Maybe I failed. Can make us kind of say, I don't know that I want to keep doing this. Maybe I should stop. Maybe I'm not the right person to do the discipling. What might you say to that person? Either the perceived failure in past relationships, or or just past hurts in discipling relationships. Cam,
2: I think this multiple different models in scripture of people who invest in people and then they fell. The person they're investing fell away. Ah. I think of all, Paul, Paul constant examples of going out of mind, yeah. particularly as demons. Yeah. Second Timothy says, Demons in love with this present world as left. Yep. And Paul is still, even though, like, Paul's getting ready to die, he's super confident. He's that people leave him, he's getting ready to die. He's super confident in the Lord. And he's pressing on because later he will say, The Lord stood with me. Mm-hmm. The Lord's always still present. I yeah. think, just I encourage from examples in Scripture that it's a normal thing to be discipling for people to leave and also realize the Lord is still ever faithful and, yeah. and next to you in the midst of it.
0: Yeah. So Paul's a great discipler in Scripture, but he even has times. Can you think of somebody who might be even better discipler than Paul? I heard it. It's a Sunday school answer, right? Jesus. How'd he do? Did anyone ever leave him? I mean, think about like John chapter 6. There's crowds, and he gives them truth, and what do they do? They all leave? He turns to the 12 and he says, you guys leaving too? Right? How about Judas. Did Jesus fail? Let's not say that, right? Jesus didn't fail, but people left him, right? So so there's good, it's just, it's if, if Jesus had people leave him, even people he chose to follow him for three years and they, they left him, I don't think we're going to have a better record than he had. But I also think another thing we can think through in those kind of situations is, what is... What is our responsibility in discipleship? Is, is our responsibility as fallible humans to change other people? Is that our responsibility? No. Whose responsibility is that? God, right? The Spirit of God working in people. Our responsibility is what? What is our responsibility? To be faithful to do what? You said it the very first thing when you quoted Matthew
1: 28.
0: And what does that include? Teaching them. Does it say changing them? Does it say sanctifying them? It doesn't. Our responsibility in discipling relationships is to speak the truth in love. Is to love people, to teach God's word, to model God's we will do imperfectly. Our job is not to change people. That's God's job. Like the results of discipleship are up to God, not us. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, was I faithful? Did I teach God's word? Did I love the person? Did I model the scriptures consistently to them? And if people walk away and we can say, "Well, I, we, we taught the truth, we loved them, we let them into the mess of our lives and modeled how we live our Christianity even though that's imperfect. If we've done those things and they walk away, there's going to be rightful sorrow on our end. But I don't think, I don't think the scripture would then say, you failure. Like you should just, you should pack it up and find something. The discipling part of Christianity is not for you. Like why don't you just hand out bulletins or something and... Like, that's not it. That's not it at all. So, I can speak from personal experience. The first reaction is, oh, maybe I'm doing stuff wrong. Or maybe I should stop. Or maybe I don't want to enter into those relationships. But the command to make disciples is still there. Like, that's a biblical imperative. Make disciples. It doesn't say successfully by our human standards. That makes sense? Any thoughts on that? Questions, comments, pushback? If if I'm honest, I think that's the hardest of these for me is the is you get into the mess of people's lives and let them into the mess of your life. It's really hard to then have something happen to a relationship. So, so yeah.
2: can you speak to because obviously you've had a long state of ministry and have probably seen tons of this happening. Uh, how? What are the things that like most encouraging to you on wanting
0: to continue after that adding this particular encouragement? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, being in church community, because if you're just an echo chamber in your own brain, it's really easy for you to get discouraged and just want to just give up. Mm-hmm. But it's being able to say to somebody, "Man, I'm really struggling with discouragement because of this," and them saying, reminding me of that very question. Is it your responsibility to sanctify them? No. Okay, well, did you love them? Yeah. Did you teach them the truth? Yeah. Then you, biblically speaking, you were quote-unquote successful. Like, so I think being in community with other believers, where if we're opening up ourselves to them and have people we can talk about what we're struggling with, and, that's a huge thing to, for God to use to help us persevere and not give up. I think the other thing that has helped me in those times is just to realize that the command still stands. Make disciples is etched in Scripture with an iron pen. You're not getting that out. Like, if I'm following Jesus, his command as his follower is to help other people follow him. And if I stumble and bumble through that, it's still there, right? So somebody like walks away or somebody, you know, says, I don't want to follow Jesus. My responsibility is still before him to help other people follow Jesus. So I think having a community around me that I can be honest with, that's going to then point me back to reality and say like, (laughs) you're thinking very worldly right here. That's the flesh, not the spirit. And the second thing is just saying, commands in scripture don't change based on results so yeah that's a really good question anything else all right number four i don't have it all together emily said this uh, we we could lump number two and number four together but i think one of the big things that, that i've also heard is Yeah, I have sin in my own life that I struggle with. How could I help somebody follow Jesus? Or, I'm not a perfect model of what it means to be single. How could I help other singles? Or, I'm not a perfect parent. How could I help disciple somebody else and and help them with parenting? Or, my marriage is not, like, perfect. How could I give advice to other married couples? I'm not qualified to disciple somebody because my life is not the perfect model of Christianity. To which we would say what? You're not Jesus. Right. Welcome to being a human, right? Like, welcome to Christianity. That's the, we're all in that boat. Right? So if, if we needed to have our lives together to be discipling, no discipleship would ever happen anywhere because nobody's got their life together. Right? Wow. My marriage is not perfect. I am certainly not a perfect father. I don't always pray like I should. I don't always love like I should. Like, OK. Neither do you. That's <laughs> how we need each other. It's because you might have things in your marriage or you might be doing things with your singleness that I need to hear in my life that will help me. And vice versa. The whole relational aspect. like Sean and I meet up. I hadn't gone on a date with my wife in like four months. And that was like a good stretch for us. I've gone on three dates in the last month because every time we get together, he goes, are you going on a date this week? He'll text me throughout the week. When's the date scheduled? Like, he's helping me in my marriage. Like, it's a relationship, right? That's, we all need that. We don't have our lives together, which is why we need to open up our lives to each other and be like, yeah, this is what's going on in my life. And they can be like, that doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> like, that's what we need. I, my life is not all together, neither is yours. Welcome to Christianity.
3: I think those are things that help, too. Because if I'm going to ask you... Like it's the same thing. And I'm going to ask him the same question, the by same the way. way. Because you're going to say, when's the last time you went out of Right. And I'll be like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about.
0: Yep. Yep. What, what are you going to say solution-wise? To the person that doesn't have it all together. Besides, welcome to Christianity, because that really—I mean—that really doesn't actually help them. Because, what are you going to? What, what's our solution to this problem? To this barrier? I think the grace of God is uh, like I think about like First
2: Corinthians 15, 9, mm. uh, 11, where it says, "For I am the least of you apostles. Am the apostles, worthy to be called an apostle, because I the of with the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am." And his grace towards me not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though not out of the grace of God that is was with me. Hmm. So that's Paul talking about how he's not any worse
0: than the apostle, but
2: through what, under grace, of God. yeah,
0: to even be able to do yeah ministry, yeah, can you amen, yeah. Yeah, there's evidences of grace, even though all of us in this room would say, if we're honest, I'm not perfect at anything I do. There, God's grace his handprint fingerprints are all over our lives with grace and there's there are areas where he has graciously helped us that we can then therefore help other people like i mean i've made a lot of errors as a parent i can help younger parents say i did that wrong like this were, here's some things not to do even you know that can help people could it also help people to know that they're not the only ones struggling with things in life Like, that's an encouraging thing. I mean, that's, sometimes it's encouraging when people are like, man, I don't have it all together, here's all this stuff. And you're just like, maybe I should feel bad for you, but I'm encouraged because I'm not the only one that's in that boat. Like, that can be encouraging to know that we're not the only sinners in the church. We're not the only ones who wrestle with consistency in prayer. We're not the only ones who wrestle with finding a consistent time to read scripture. We're not the only ones who wrestle with seasons of dryness. That can be an actual encouragement in a relationship rather than a reason for you not to be in a relationship. Emily.
2: Encouraged by what you did wrong or something, but like to keep pushing forward, just have this yeah. people outside you that yeah. do that for you. Yeah. And not just be like, oh no, it's fine. Like, you know, it's very popular in like mom culture right now to be like the vulnerability and like, oh, I'm just imperfect, but, like perfectly imperfect Like whatever. it's like, we're not good enough, and to remember, like, but you know who is. Yeah,
0: yeah. having your life not all together is just a helpful way for you to be pointing people to Christ, <laughs> not to yourself. <laughs> we're not it. Hey, I'm perfect. Look at my perfect life and be like me. No, it's, I'm imperfect too. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Let's point each other to Jesus. I was super encouraged. I'm not going to name names, but over this summer, I was painting a, a house of one of our members <clears throat> and the mom and the kids were there and we're painting and there was a harsh word spoken to one of the children and the mom immediately went to the children asked for their forgiveness and just showered them with how much she loved them came down to us and was like if you heard what I said I spoke harshly and I need you to forgive like that is a model of repentance that's encouraging i yeah so yes if you don't have it all together all the more reason for you and I to be in discipling relationships. And know that in 30 years, if you're still alive, you're not going to have it all together and you're still going to need to be in discipling relationships. Like, that's, that number four is never going to change. You can grow in sanctification. You will never have it all together. Until you die and Jesus completely changed you and eradicates sin from your life once and for all, which will happen.
1: Amen. Praise God. Yeah.
0: But just not here. Number five.
3: Yeah. As, a, as a barrier, specifically if that is a barrier, mm-hmm. there are some ways that there's some familiarity that can really make that. Like, we're in the military. We have something in common. Yeah. He knows that if I'm in the military, I don't have it all together. Yeah. And I know the same with him. So it's easier. Or if I need to start with Ethan. Ethan knows I don't have it all together. He, you know, he lies really well. We're like, yeah, I've got great dad.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, there's some familiarity. You know what I mean? Like if you're a pastor
3: or if you're an elder, even if it's with another right. church. I mean, you guys are elders in the body, not yeah. just not just here. So I think that there's some familiarity that can help train you and grow you to be ready for that next thing. Because I'm not going like to just walk up to a stranger. I mean, I talk to anybody. I talk to a dog. I don't care. But I'm still going to have some hesitancy to be like, hey, how are you? Tell me about how the Lord is working. Yeah. There are people that can do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Last one I have on here is a fear of different life situations. I think it's very easy for us to be like, well, that person's older than me. I couldn't enter into a discipling relationship with them. Or that person, they're way more educated than I am, so I can't inter- enter into a discipling relationship. I think that that can be a huge barrier, right? Huge barrier. Age differences, education, life situations. Well, I'm single and that person's married, so I could never disciple them, because I... What, what would you say to those kind of barriers? He does. Can you think of any examples in Scripture How do, where God uses somebody that you would not think? Samson. Samson. Okay. Yeah. Gideon. Gideon. The, poor widow. the poor widow. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: the women. She brings the whole village. Yeah. 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 That's good. Do you think? Do you see script, any scripture where Paul commands younger men in how they're to interact with older men? Does he say you should never speak truth into their lives because they're older than you? But he tells us how, right? What? Anyone yeah. think? I think it's in... Is it 1 Timothy? 2 Timothy? I had 1 Timothy. Four, I had 4.12. Let, let no one despise you for your youth, right? So Timothy is going to be pastoring people who are older than him. And Paul says... You're disqualified because of that, right? Get out of ministry until you're 55. Right? Does he say that? No, he says, let no one despise you from youth. You have one. Chapter 5.
2: Yeah. Encourage, encourage my fathers. That's right. older mothers.
0: And what does that mean? You've studied, you've studied the pastoral epistles. What does that mean?
2: Like them or-
0: Yeah, I mean as a father or as a mother.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's still,
0: Yeah, the fact that they're older than you. Yeah, but yeah. It's, still, it's still intentionally
2: discipling them.
0: You're still intentionally discipling them, but there's a posture of honor given to them because yeah. of their age. But it doesn't mean don't disciple, right? So age shouldn't be a barrier. It, it might look differently, but it's not a barrier. What about education level? There are people in this church who have PhDs. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I should not disciple those people, right? Right? They should wait for another PhD to come along who is of equal intellectual aptitude. Right? Should that be a barrier? You're shaking your head no, but why not? Is it my intellect that is going to help them? I hope not. It's going to be what? Which is found in the Bible. The if you have the Bible, you can disciple anybody. And praise God, if you disciple a PhD, you might learn a thing or two in the process. Like there, There's so many things that we can just get in our own heads and be like, well, I can't because of... I think we should... Yeah, we should try to, to be in relationships where people are different than us. Like, that's a great thing. Having diversity in our discipling relationships, it's going to help us. Being around people that aren't like you, that don't think like you, that don't have the same life background as you, that don't have the same nationality as you, that don't have fill-in-the-blank. My wife, again, I will, or my, my mom, the, the other person will remain nameless, my, my mom was approached by someone in our church that came up to and said, you're older than me, you've probably got a little wisdom, would you like to disciple me? My mom said, I've been a Christian for two years, how do I disciple you? And they decided, you know what, I've got some life experience I could help you with, you probably know the Bible better than me, we could get together, meet together, and help each other in different ways. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of maybe my mom can give some like, hey, I've been through a lot in life and this is some things I've learned and this person can come along and say, let's go through, let's go through Galatians and they can learn together. That's a beautiful picture. Like those kind of barriers in our mind of life differences that often we can be like, I'm going to wait for somebody that's their age to come in or I'm going to wait for somebody that's in the same life situation that has the same number of kids or that's single, and I'm not single, so oh, we should be crossing all kinds of barriers in the local church where we are discipling one another because we all need each other. And what a, what a way for single people to feel welcome when married couples are like, I'm not going to wait for a single sister to disciple you. Let's get together and talk. Or for single people in the church to say, I don't care if you're married or not. Like, Let's get together and talk. Like, I think that helps with that kind of thing where there, there's a in a lot of churches there's like, well I'm married and here's the singles and well best way for that to happen is discipling relationships that cross those barriers. Or like age gaps are huge in churches where well there's a lot of young people here so maybe I'm not welcome or there's a lot of old people in this church so maybe I'm not welcome. Age crossing, that's a great way for that. So those kind of barriers I think the solution there is to just start getting together. Have each other in each other's homes. Invite each other for coffee or for lunch. Anything on that one? I thought I saw him. Almost. It was a pump fake. Anybody on this one? Andrew.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking that I've learned the most from people who are at least like me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can think of a man who's uh, handicapped, Asian, older, not a Christian pressed me harder into Jesus and stretched my patience and grown my listening in ways that uh, other Christians Mm. haven't. God's using my
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't say I'm discipled by Him, but I would say I've done life with Him.
0: And The Lord used it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's good. All right, so I have five things here. Is there anything where you're thinking like, you missed this one? What other barriers might there be? Or reasons people might not enter into discipling relationships? This is not an exhaustive list. So we got time, confidence, past hurts or perceived failures, not having it all together, different life situations, what else? I,
2: mean, I think of like, at um, least like the Christians that were around me, which I was a lot of them, in my upbringing, they just didn't even know that was the thing. Um, uh, so just aren't taught to think about fake disciples. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we often think, well, that's for, that's what we pay that guy up front to do, right? So just a misperception of what discipleship entails. It's not necessarily just sitting down with X's and O's and like figuring out just theological content. Yeah. So having a misperception of what discipleship is can make people not disciple. If you're telling me that I have to have all the answers or make people change or whatever, I'm probably not going to do it. And that would be a really sad reason to not disciple because that's not what discipleship is, anyways. That's a good. What might what might we what might we say to the person that's saying, "I don't even know it's a thing"? That would have been me, right? When I was a new Christian, discipleship. It what? Like, what is who? That's what the pastor does. Why would I do that? What do you say to that person? Andrew? I,
1: you could say uh, you'll always be discipled by someone in that you're always living life with people. You're just either doing it towards Jesus or away from Him. Yeah. Uh, might as well do it towards Him yeah. more intentional. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think that last part. Let's figure this out together. Might be a good like Christian way to if somebody's like discipleship. Hey, let let's just come and join me. Like, let's let's learn this together. Yeah.
2: Being an introvert, like saying like, like, like yeah, labeling, your personality type on. Ah. I'm a seven. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't talk to people.
0: I am super shy around people I don't know. Which then makes me awkward around people. My awkwardness around people is not an excuse for me not to make disciples. So that's, that's a huge one. My personality. To, I, I could use that excuse all day long if it were a thing. That's good. Cheyenne? That's what I was going to say. Well, then we should... Two people saying that at the same time, we need to add it to the, to the outline. Yeah.
1: think of Moses. I uh, think of ah. speech impediment, physical, uh, things that might become a barrier in someone's mind. think of pride. Who am I to go? And this kind of false sense of humility. Uh, I didn't just walk through that whole story it seems to bring out a number of things
0: of yeah. why I should not do this. Yeah. And, and Moses wasn't saying, this shouldn't be done. He was just saying, I'm not the guy for it, right? Like, you could... You should do that, Lord. <laughs> Just I can't. I'm not the one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Hmm. Anything else? All right. So over the next coming weeks, we're going to talk. Danny's going to be talking about how to disciple hurting people. Danny's got a, a pretty extensive counseling background, so he's gonna, how do we how do we help hurting people follow Jesus? Um, we're going to talk about kind of the end aim of discipleship. What are we actually ultimately trying to see happen? Um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to be getting even drilling even more into like particular type of topics over the coming weeks. So, well, we're going to since there's any last call for any comments, questions any questions. All right.
3: I So you both said. Okay. <laughs> um, you both mentioned like that this isn't You talk about like false humility, uh, and what you said um, like this was about me not being prepared or this and the other. but all these barriers, as probably our evidence even as our faith walk, that in discipleship it's about us, which is a complete opposite. Because if we're mm-hmm. overconfident or underconfident, that's based on our abilities. Yeah. And not on what Christ has called us to do yeah. as we go, mm. love that, as we just go on with our lives yeah. and do that and teach by humility because we're focusing on Christ taking us to Him. that's all Jesus did. Yeah. And He did it with, how many different people did He hang out with? Yeah. bunch. Yeah. And He was with, He was different with each one of them, even healing. Yeah. Like the spit and the mud and the jump in <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, just, but it was about him. Yeah. It was about bringing them to him. Yeah. So that they were free to move forward. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But the next corner over there is my the
1: cop yeah. <laughs> Danny Daniel will probably get into this, but even uh, you know, just realizing in deception religious, specifically when there are hurts, as mentioned here, that their perception is their reality. Mm-hmm. And so to come in with a club of like, you know, just go to Jesus. Maybe it's not always the most helpful entry point instead of like, right. let me actually hear what is going on in your life and then you pray. You know, you come in more of a, a empathetic way, it might be a more helpful entry point. And even though we all know like, we're just helping each other to Jesus. You know, and that's the truth. But, yeah.
0: The one thing I've learned, I mean, I've learned many things from Danny, but the one thing that stuck with me is just asking people a million questions. To actually figure out what's what's actually going on, rather than like I've listened for ten minutes, I know your problem and I know the solution. Here, let me give you the like, and then say like what? And that you're good now. Like, act, what is going on? Like, what do you think's going on? And how how can we just walk through life now and point to the scriptures and point to Christ? Yeah, but I'm sure he will talk about all that and be immensely more helpful than I am. Yeah. But I do think what you said, all five here, all of these barriers are focused here. I'm not able because of fill in the blank where our, our posture in discipleship needs to be, that's all true. I can. <laughs> but the Lord can use me. The Lord can do it. The Lord can, can enable me. He can help me. Because if we're just on our own, all of these would be legitimate excuses. I can't do that. I don't, I don't know enough. I can't answer enough. I'm, I don't have it all together and I never will. But if our, if our posture is, Lord, I'm weak. On my own, I'm foolish. But your word is, is, is wisdom. So help me point people to your word. Lord, Lord I, I, I can't change my own life. Help me change and help me be a useful tool an instrument to change other people. But you need to do this because I can't. So that that's an excellent observation of like, these are all very much barriers because we're focused. I can't, I can't, I can't. Posture of discipleship is like, that's right. That's the truth, but you can. So, yeah, it's a good word. Let's uh, close. And then, again, we reminded last couple of weeks, but They're asking that we kind of hang out outside of the main hall until 10.30 because they're doing mic checks. So you can go back over there. There's coffee and and everything. But just try to refrain from going in until 10.30 because they're doing mic checks. So let's pray. Father, we come to You. And Lord, we thank You that You are patient with us and merciful towards us. Lord, we we thank you that you command us to make disciples, and we often don't because of things in ourselves. Father, help us to rely upon you, to have confidence in you and your word. And Father, we pray that you would help our church to ever be growing in a culture of discipleship, where everything we're doing corporately and also everything that we're doing individually, is, is seeking to help each other follow Christ. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.